Old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode 46 of season 4 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. Eve Arden will forever be associated with arguably her most prolific role as Miss Brooks in the radio and television shows by the same name. Despite appearing in over 30 films and 30 television shows over 50 years, it was her role as the English teacher at fictional Madison High School that cemented her legacy in show business. The radio show ran from 1948 to 1957, concurrently with the television version, which ran from 52 to 56. A Date with Judy was NBC's radio show aimed at teenage listeners from 1941 to 1950, although it was quite popular with adults as well. The titular character was played by Ann Gillis, then Deli Ellis, and finally Louise Erickson, who remained in the role for the longest period until its conclusion. It spawned a 1948 film and a TV show from 1951 to 1953. CBS tried to compete with the show with their Meet Corliss Archer, which was nearly as popular during its run. Now sit back and enjoy the May 8, 1948 broadcast of Our Miss Brooks and the April 3, 1949 broadcast of A Date with Judy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palm Olive Soap, Your Beauty Hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. <laughs> to most people, a warm May day suggests a drive in the country or a leisurely picnic. But to Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, it has a far different significance. Yes, indeed. To me, a warm May day means just one thing. Mr. Conklin, our beloved principal, is putting the heat on. Some people feel that Mr. Conklin makes his teachers miserable because of his fosterousness. I don't agree. You can't make so many so miserable so often without giving it plenty of thought. Well, <laughs> but perhaps I'm being too harsh in my judgment. A principal's life can't be all a bed of roses, either. There must be many nights which he spends tossing and turning in his bed until the wee small hours, hoping, planning, thinking, saying to himself, What can I do to them this week? <laughs> well, during the free period last Friday morning, his nocturnal efforts seemed to have borne fruit. He started an impromptu quiz without prizes. Miss Brooks. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> Yes, Mr. Conklin? Conjugate the verb strive, please. Strive? Uh, strive, throve, thriven. Now, thrive. Thrive. Thrive, throve, thriven. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> really, Mr. Conklin, these sudden little tests are quite disconcerting. I don't... Uh, keep... Silence, Miss Brooks. We're not finished. Yes, sir. More verbs? Five. Five. Five, fold, thriven. <laughs> 
Mr. Conklin. Five isn't a verb. Uh, thank you, Miss Brooks. I knew my visit to your room would produce some valuable bit of information. <laughs> now, my main reason for dropping in, however, was to ask you to do me a favor, Miss Brooks. As you know, Sunday is Mother's Day. Yes, I know, Mr. Conklin. Thanks to a special savings plan I started in February, I was able to send my mother a card this morning. <laughs> but what did you want me to do for you? I'd like you to take this package home with you and keep it until Sunday morning. It's a little Mother's Day remembrance for Mrs. Conklin, and I don't want her to stumble upon it before time. Wonderful woman, Mrs. Conklin, and she's trained our daughter Harriet to be a duplicate of herself. Really? Yes. Yes, between them, they're the two biggest snoopers in the county. <laughs> that makes it unanimous. Uh, I mean, I'll be happy to keep the passage for you. Thank you, Miss Brooks. I hope my daughter Harriet remembers Mother's Day. Lately, she's had her mind on nothing but that moronic manager of the baseball team, Walter Denton. <laughs> oh, Walter isn't so bad, Mr. Conklin. Of course, he's not a brilliant student. Brilliant? Walter Denton is Madison's gift to subnormality. <laughs> the thing that annoys me most is the way he bounces. He never goes anywhere. He always bounces there. Hiya, Miss Brooks. I just thought I'd bounce in for a minute. <laughs> well, if it isn't the human handball. Oh, hello, Mr. Conklin. If I'm interrupting anything, I'll just bounce along. No, Walter. Mr. Conklin was about to dribble back to his office. <laughs> That is, you were finished with me, weren't you, Mr. Conklin? Quite. Good morning, Miss Brooks. Goodbye, Mr. Conklin. Hasta la vista, Mr. Conklin. I learned that in Spanish. It means see you later. Oh. Well, no se lo veo a usted primero. Oh. What does that mean, Miss Brooks? That means not if I see you first. <laughs> now, what can I do for you, Walter? Well, I need some advice, Miss Brooks. And as is my won't when I want advice, I've hide myself to my favorite English teacher. For that matter, my favorite any kind of teacher. Are you sure it's only advice you want? Oh, sure, Miss Brooks. It's about a Mother's Day gift. But a very special type of mother, Miss Brooks. That is... Well, I know it's impossible right now, but just for supposition's sake, suppose you woke up one day and found yourself a mother. I have a mother. Of course, she's miles away. <laughs> no, Miss Brooks, I didn't mean it that way. I mean, if you awoke to find that you were a mother. Now, what would your first question be? What does it weigh, Doc? <laughs> Are you quite certain you wouldn't say, how is my husband? Not me. I might say, who is my husband? <laughs> I'm serious, Miss Brooks. My dad told me that was my mother's first concern after she knew that I was all right. You know, she thinks of us constantly and never of herself. But me, what do I do in return? I don't get out of bed when she wakes me. I leave my clothes all over the house. Sunday's Mother's Day, Miss Brooks, and I've got to make it up to her. Well, that's pretty short notice, Walter, but I have a suggestion for you. You have? Yes. Sunday morning, wait till your mother starts to make breakfast. When you're sure she's in the kitchen, close the door quietly behind her. Then? Then gather up all the clothes that you've scattered around the house. Then? Then put them in a big suitcase. Then? Then run away from home. <laughs> oh, I'm just teasing you, Walter. There's only one way you can make your mother happy, and that's by turning over a new leaf. Well, I'll try, Miss Brooks, but meanwhile, that's just supposing again. Oh, what kind of a present would you like if you were a mother? Oh, I wouldn't care much about presents, Walter. I'd just be happy if I had all my beloved children around me. 
Gee. Well, of course, my mother only has this one beloved child. Me. Well, it is a lovely sentiment. However, I'd still like to figure out a little gift of some sort. Now, what would make a young mother like yourself happy? A young father like Mr. Boynton. <laughs> that always reminds me, Walter. It's time for me to get down to his laboratory and pick him up for lunch. Oh, did he invite you for lunch today? Of course he did. About ten minutes from now. <laughs> Walter, were you able to find out what kind of a gift she got? I couldn't find out a thing, Harriet. But we've got to get her something. What's the good of naming Miss Brooks our mother away from mother if we can't surprise her with something she wants? Gee, I'm sorry, Harriet, but all she'd say was that she'd be happy with all her beloved children around her. Uh, she was kidding, of course. I hope. <laughs> kidding? She wasn't kidding. She met us. Oh. Now, let's see. We'll organize a committee to pick out a gift and give it to Miss Brooks. Great, Harriet. Then tonight will officially become Mother Away from Mother's Day night. Well, now that we're finished with lunch, Miss Brooks, I, I've got a surprise for you. Surprise? What is it, Mr. Boynton? Uh, yes. You're picking up both checks. No. <laughs> I'm picking up both checks. No. Then I give up. Uh, Miss Brooks, I want you to meet my folks. Why, Mr. Boynton, you've only known me for five years. This is so sudden. <laughs> I just found out they were coming to town myself. You see, they usually spend Mother's Day with my married brother, but Mom decided that this year it's my turn. To do what? Oh, your turn to spend Mother's Day. <laughs> That's right. You, you'll love my mother, Miss Brooks. She used to be a school teacher too, you know. As a matter of fact, she worked herself up until she was a principal. You've got to get pretty worked up to be a principal. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm sure we'll get along splendidly. And you'll be crazy about my dad. Oh, what a sense of humor he's got. He's the one who told me the joke about the quiz master who called out, I've got a lady, doctor, but before he could ask her any questions, she stuck a thermometer in his mouth and took his pulse. Isn't that his scream? <laughs> Your father sounds like more fun than a barrel of nothing. <laughs> May I ask you a rather personal question about your folks? Oh, certainly, Miss Brooks. What is it? How long did they go around together before they were married? Nine years. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Most believed in long engagements in those days, I guess. Hmm? Oh, they weren't engaged until six weeks before the wedding. Six weeks? Mm-hmm. Once Dad makes up his mind about something, he's greased lightly. <laughs> he could have used a little greasing in the first eight years. <laughs> Certainly be looking forward to seeing them, Mr. Boynton. When are they arriving in town? Oh, this afternoon, Miss Brooks. I'll have to check them into a hotel for the weekend. I've just got a small bachelor apartment. Yes, I know. You've told me about it. <laughs> Maybe your folks would like to drop over to my place tonight. I'm sure my landlady, Mrs. Davis, wouldn't mind my dusting the living room a little. Oh, that's just fine with me, Miss Brooks. That'll give my folks a chance to rest up from their trip and have some dinner before they, well, before they meet the girl about whom I... Well, they've heard so much. Why, Mr. Boynton, you mean you actually wrote to your folks about it? And how, Miss Brooks? I've written them many times about how gay and youthful and exuberant you are. I am? You, I mean, you have? Darn <laughs> right. I remember in one of my most recent letters to them, I, I said you were more like a pupil than a teacher. In fact, I think that was a letter in which I described you as a great, big, overgrown kid. 
Maybe I better take something. You should have seen the answer I got from Dad. He said, whatever you do, son, don't rob the cradle. <laughs> Dad. Oh, he was jesting, of course. He, he loves youngsters. Mr. Boynton, you've given me an idea. Well, what kind of an idea, Miss Brooks? If your father turns me down when I ask him for your hand, maybe he'll adopt me. Our Miss Brooks, our Eve Arden, will continue in just a moment. But first, here is Vern Smith. Here's wonderful news, ladies. Wonderful, wonderful news. Now there's something thrillingly new in Palmolive Soap's famous beauty lather. Yes, something thrillingly new. Palmolive's famous beauty lather now brings you new fragrance, new charm, new allure. Millions of women will prefer beauty lather Palmolive over all other leading toilet soaps the minute they try it. For Palmolive Soap's famous beauty lather now has a new, clean, flower-fresh fragrance for new allure. New charm. So, ladies, forget all other beauty care and use Palmolive soap the way doctors advise for a lovelier complexion. Just stop improper cleansing and instead wash your face with Palmolive soap three times a day, massaging Palmolive's wonderful beauty lather onto your skin for 60 seconds each time to get its full beautifying effect. Then rinse. That's all. All types of skin, young, older, oily, respond to it quickly. Don't wait another day to try Palmolive Beauty Lather. You'll be thrilled by its new fragrance, new charm, new allure. Thrilled again by the fresher, brighter complexion doctors prove may soon be yours. For new loveliness all over, use big, bath-sized Palmolive in tub or shower. Well, I hurried home right after school and put Mr. Conklin's gift to his wife on my dresser. Then I started to make myself and the house as presentable as possible before Mr. Boynton's parents came over that evening. First of all, I shampooed my hair and set it in pin curls. Then I put on an old, oversized house dress, which I'd borrowed from Mrs. Davis. This intriguing combination achieved the happy effect of making me look like a pat rack drowning in a Quonset hut. <laughs> then I went into the living room to get things in order. When I got there, Mrs. Davis had just finished vacuuming. Oh, uh, Connie, will you pull the plug out for me? My back's been bothering me lately. Oh, certainly, Mrs. Davis. There. Say, this vacuum cleaner's pretty old, isn't it? Yes, indeed. But it's held up remarkably well. I bought it in 1932. 1932? Yes. This Hoover came in when the other one went out. <laughs> well, just how the place looks nice and neat for tonight. You know... I've never met Mr. Boynton's parents before. I know you haven't, Connie. And first impressions are so important. Mm -hmm. That's why I sent our sofa and all the chairs out to be recovered. What? Every <laughs> chair in the house is at the upholsterer's, Connie. But don't worry. Stretch Snodgrass took them down for me, and he promised to bring them back by 6 o'clock. Stretch Snodgrass? Look, Mrs. Davis, Stretch may be a fine athlete, but when it comes to mentality, he's strictly a third strike. Why, he's liable to forget where he took the chairs. Oh, I don't think so, Connie. You know how absent-minded I am. And even I couldn't forget the name of this upholsterer. Why not? Because he has a very odd name. What is it? What is what? <laughs> the name. Whose name? The upholsterer. Upholsterer? Yes. 
Look, Mrs. Davis, the sofa and all our chairs are being recovered today. Well, they can certainly use it. <laughs> Where did you send them, Connie? <laughs> Stella with a very odd name. I never can remember it. I'm sure it'll come back to you later. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got to get out in back and look for our cat. Minerva? Is she missing again? Mm-hmm. She had a date this morning. A date? Yes, I heard her making it last night. <laughs> but she should be back by now. She knows how I worry about her. Well, you let me know if she comes in the front way, Connie, and I'll take a look back here. All right, Mrs. Davis. That's funny. Minerva never bothered to ring before. <laughs> how do you do, my dear? How do you do? I'm Philip's mother. Philip? Yes, Philip Boynton. I'm Mrs. Boynton. But that's impossible. You won't be here till tonight. Oh, well, I mean, come in, Mrs. Boynton. <laughs> you don't have to tell me who you are, my dear. Philip has written so much about you. He has? Yes, he says Miss Brooks wouldn't know what to do without you, Mrs. Davis. Mrs. Davis? <laughs> Mrs. Davis? Miss Connie. That's Mrs. Davis, Mrs. Boynton. I'm Miss Brooks, such as I am. We've got company, Mrs. Davis. Oh, she came in the front way, did she? Yes, she's right here in the living room. Well, you tell her she's a wicked cat and put her under the piano. <laughs> yes, Mrs. Davis. You're a wicked cat and get under the... Oh, no. no. Oh, you'll have to forgive me, Mrs. Boynton. I didn't expect you until after dinner. Oh, well, that's perfectly all right, Miss Brooks. As a matter of fact, I owe you an apology for not recognizing you. But it was rather dim in here. Not dim enough. <laughs> but where's Mr. Boynton? Or should I say, where are Mr. Boynton? Or Mrs. Boynton? <laughs> well, they had a little trouble parking the car, and I wanted to meet you myself first anyway. Philip's written so much about you. You must see an awful lot of each other. Well, we do teach at the same school. I understand you were a teacher at one time, Mrs. Boynton. <laughs> yes, indeed, for many years. Oh, it's remarkable. You still look so well fed. Uh, you... <laughs> May we come in? Oh, it's the boys. Hello, Philip, my dear. Hello, Mom. Well, I see you two have met. Yes, indeed. We're old friends by now. Well, here she is, Dad. Is Slippy five, my dear. Five what? Oh, fingers. <laughs> How do you do, Mr. Boynton? Well, I do pretty well for an old codger. Old codger? It caught you that time, didn't I? <laughs> I told you, what a sense of humor. He's <laughs> hot stuff, all right. Hey, Phil's written us all about you, my dear. I hear you're just like a mother to Miss Brooks, Mrs. Davis. This house dress has got to go. <laughs> Mrs. Davis, Harvey. It isn't. Oh, of course not, Dad. This is Miss Brooks. Uh, why are we all standing out here in the hall? Yes, let's all go in and stand in the living room. <laughs> Follow me, please. Well, here we are. Now then, Mrs. Boynton, if you'll just come over to this lamp, that's a very comfortable place to stand. <laughs> Mr. Boynton, you stand over there by the piano. I don't understand, Miss Brooks. Where are all the chairs? They're out being recovered. I didn't expect you for hours yet, Mr. Boynton. This is a terrible thing to do to anybody. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Brooks, but it couldn't be helped. You see, there was a convention in town, and I couldn't get the folks' accommodations anywhere. You know how big my room is, and, well, I wondered if you and Mrs. Davis could put the folks up for the weekend. Why, Philip, I'm surprised at you. You know better than to whisper. 
her in front of others. No, oh, I'm sorry, Mother. I was just explaining our predicament to Miss Brooks. She was saying how delighted she'd be to have you stay for a couple of days. Well, now, that's what I call whopping hospitality. It's a whopper, all right. <laughs> I wish you'd give me a hand with the garbage, Connie. I just can't... Oh, I beg your pardon. Uh, this is Mr. and Mrs. Boynton, and this, contrary to popular opinion, is Mrs. Davis. How do you do? Hello, Mrs. Davis. Hey, good afternoon, Mrs. D. Nice little place you've got here. I just invited the folks to spend the weekend with us, Mrs. Davis. If you don't mind my doubling up with you, I figured they could have my room. Oh, that's perfectly all right. Oh, dear, the upholsterer. You folks must be tired after your trip. Why don't you go to bed? <laughs> only 4.30 in the afternoon. Oh, Mrs. Davis was only kidding, Mrs. Barton. She's got quite a sense of humor, too. Now, just remember one thing, Mrs. Davis. You can't kid a kidder, kiddo. <laughs> Doesn't he get off some cracks, Mrs. Davis? <laughs> yes, he's a gym dandy. <laughs> Now, if you folks will just follow me, I'll show you to your room. Or rather, Miss Brooks's room. Well, I could do with a bit of freshening up at that. Oh, nonsense, Mother. You're as fresh as the day I got you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, cut it out, Dad. <laughs> yes, cut it out, Dad. Oh, what am I saying? Please, stop. I don't know where he gets some of his ideas. He's terribly original, don't you think, Miss Brooks? Oh, a second Oscar Hammerstein, Mrs. Boynton. Or to put it another way, the corn is as high as the elephant's eye. <laughs> well, Miss Brooks certainly has a comfortable room, Harvey. Yes, indeed. That shower and a little tap nap, just what the doctor ordered. Tell me, Harvey, what do you think of Miss Brooks? Well, it's hard to tell in that outfit she had on, but once she combs her hair and climbs out of that gunny sack, I'll bet she's a looker. Yes, but what is she looking for? Oh, now, Mother, you think that every girl who meets him immediately sets her cap for Philip. Hey, what's this package on dresser here? Says, uh, for Mother. Uh, must be for you. Oh, wasn't that thoughtful of Miss Brooks? She got a Mother's Day gift for me when she heard I was coming. I'm going to open it right now. Oh, but Mother's Day isn't until Sunday. Well, you know I never have the patience to wait. <laughs> Let's see. Why, what's this? A black sheer negligence. Well, happy Mother's Day. Well, this time, <laughs> for me. <laughs> hey, look, hey, look, his card fell out when you opened the package. It says, for baby from her goodie. <laughs> so it belongs to Miss Brooks. Harvey, you don't think that Philip... Ooh, would... certainly not. He yeah. wouldn't have nerve enough to ask for that in the store. Well, I'm going to find out just where this came from. Oh, Miss Brooks. Yes, Mrs. Barnum? Would you come here a moment, please? Certainly, Mrs. Barnum. What can I do for you? Well, I opened a package by mistake and found this inside of it. A black sheer negligee. There was a card with it that said, For Baby from Goody. Goody? Oh, that must be short for Osgood. Why, of course, that was Mr. Conklin's gift. Mr. Conklin, the principal of Madison High? Yes, isn't he a devil? <laughs> <laughs> he has to keep it for him so his wife wouldn't discover it before Mother's Day. Oh, it's for his wife. Oh, yes, who did you think it was for? Don't answer that. <laughs> I can tell from the position of your eyebrows. My eyebrows? Yes, Mrs. Boynton. You'd better drop them a notch. You're pushing back your hairnet. 
it certainly was nice of you to invite us all to dinner, Mrs. Davis. Yes, indeed. It's delicious, too. Thank you, both of you. But Miss Brooks is the one who deserves the credit. She prepared it all. Oh, come now, Mrs. Davis. You opened every bit as much as I did. (laughs) Beef stew, isn't it? There's beef represented in it, yes. (laughs) Eat it slowly, Philip. Yes, Mother. They say your stomach has no teeth, but maybe it's just as well. If it got too hungry, it could chew off your suspender button. (laughs) (laughs) He always gets me when I've got a mouthful. Now, Philip, he's such a baby. Yes, he's nothing but a great, big, overgrown kid. Now, that's funny. That's the same phrase that Philip used in describing you in one of his letters. Well, she is, Mother. You ought to see her around the school. Why, the students just treat her like one of themselves. Oh, yes, indeed. We kids have some great old times together. Oh, I'm glad. I like Philip to have lots of youthful friends. The younger, the better. Well, they don't come much younger or better than Miss Brooks, Mother. Well, thank you, Mr. Boynton. Call me Philip tonight. <laughs> I won't, Miss Connie. Excuse me, folks. I wonder who that could be. Well, come in, please. Hi, Mrs. Davis. Who is it, Mrs. Davis? Walter and Harry and Tommy. I've been in the Oh, we didn't mean to disturb you, Miss Brooks. Oh, that's all right, Walter. I was just telling the folks how informal we are at Madison. Mr. and Mrs. Boynton, may I present Walter Denton and Harriet Conklin? How are you? And now, Miss Brooks, we would like to present something to you that expresses the devotion and reverence felt toward you by the entire student body. What is it, Walter? It's a shawl. A shawl and a handsome pair of knitting needles to go with a rocking chair to which you're so attached. Rocking <laughs> chair, but... Oh, I'm not finished, Mrs. Boynton. Miss Brooks, you have been chosen our mother away from mother. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll go to the piano, Walter, and you sing the song we've written. Okay, Harriet. Wait till you hear this, folks. The B stands for the book. She helps us study. The R is for she's righteous, also pure. The O is for the fact that she's our buddy. The second O is likewise, I am sure. The K is for okay. She rates about the X is for her sadly wrinkled brow. <laughs> She's motherly, just like Elsie the cow. Miss <laughs> Brooks, we love you dearly. Miss Brooks, that's me. I'll always be. Miss Brooks. Dean Barton, as our Miss Brooks, returns in just a moment, but first... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful, luster dream girl. Tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a Luster Cream shampoo. Only Luster Cream brings you K. Dumas' magic formula blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Gives loveliness lather even in hardest water. 
glamorizes your hair as you wash it. Luster Cream. Not a soap, not a liquid, but a dainty cream shampoo. Leaves hair fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen, soft, manageable. Gives new beauty to all hairdos or permanent. Four-ounce jar, one dollar. Smaller sizes, either tubes or jars. Tonight, try Luster Cream Shampoo and be a dream girl, dream girl, beautiful Luster Cream girl. You owe your crowning glory to a Luster Cream Shampoo. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, several days later, Friday night came to an end. As I escorted Mr. Boynton to the front door, he was in a strangely mellow mood. You know, Miss Brooks, I'm a man of many dreams, but more often than not, I find I'm shooting too high. Shooting too high, Mr. Boynton? Well, yes. In trying to find the right girl, for instance, it seems that subconsciously I'm always looking for a girl who's just like my mother. Attractive, yet sweet and unselfish. Well, don't give up the search, Mr. Boynton. Someday you're liable to find such a girl right under your nose. And I think that's a very nice location. (laughs) What I mean is, when you gave up your room for Mother, I suddenly realized that you're not only attractive, but also sweet and unselfish. So, Miss Brooks, instead of just shaking hands like we usually do... Yes, Mr. Boynton? I'd like to say goodnight to you the way I do to my mother. With a kiss. A kiss, Mr. Boynton? (laughs) Yes, on the forehead. There you go, shooting too high again. (laughs) Next week, tune into another Hour Miss Brooks show, brought to you by Harmonic Soap, your beauty host, and luster cream shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler, Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Klenna, Gloria McMillan, Frank Nelson, and Myra Marsh. Men, do you shave with a lather or brushless shave cream? Palm olive shaving cream comes both ways, and whichever way you prefer to shave you'll find that using Palmolive Brushless or Palmolive Lather Shaving Cream can bring you more comfortable, actually smoother shaves. Here's the proof. 2,548 men tried the new Palmolive way to shave described on the tube. And no matter how they had shaved before, three out of every four got more comfortable, actually smoother shaves. Get Palmolive Brushless or Palmolive Lather Shaving Cream today. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evenings over most of these same stations, and be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. Stay tuned now for Life with Luigi, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Broadcasting Company presents A Date with Judy, starring Louise Erickson as Judy and John Brown as father. Hello? Hello, Judy, this is Oogie. Oh, hello, Oogie. What time will you be over tonight? Yeah, about tonight, Judy. 
Well, we men were kind of planning on going bowling. Stag, of course. Just we men. And I wondered, of course, if you'd rather I didn't... Oogie, dear, you don't have to say another word. Of course I want you to go out with the boys. After all, no matter how glamorous we women are, you men need the companionship of other men. That's right, Judy. Oh! What's the matter? You agreed with me. Melvin. Yes, dear? Want to go to the movies? Yeah, Humphrey Bogart is playing on Tokyo Joe. Dora, I'd do anything in the world for you. I'd move mountains and rivers, but... But you don't want to go to the movies. Not tonight. I don't think anything could get me out of the house. It's so nice and quiet and peaceful. Oh, for the love of heaven. Will somebody please tell Judy to turn that radio now? Will somebody please tell Judy to turn that radio now? Father, please, you're making so much noise. I'm making so much noise? Yes. Oogie and his orchestra just started to practice in the living room. Oh, I thought you turned the radio on in there. Why do Oogie and his orchestra always have to practice in our house? Well, they don't always, Father. They usually practice at Oogie's house, except when his father has one of his headaches. You know how Mr. Pringle suffers from headaches, dear. And I know how he gets them, believe me. Energy, is anything? Oh, hi, everybody. Good evening, Oogie. Hello, Oogie. Hi, Maestro. Gee, Mr. Foster, I owe you an apology. Well, I'm glad. I didn't know you were Homer. I would have invited you in the other room so you could have heard us better. (laughs) I heard, Oogie. I heard. Okay, here we go, fellas. A one, a two. I'm not a whoop. I never flip. I do not twerk. I'm not the least she-she. Well, Judy, that was wonderful, Oogie. Utterly wonderful. Mr. Foster, how did you like it? Utterly. <laughs> Thanks. Then I'll do the second chorus for you. The second chorus? Yeah. Okay, fellas. Hey, Dora. Yes, dear. Let's go to the movies. Well, you know, I really enjoyed that picture. Yeah, I guess Humphrey Bogart is braver than anybody man put out of his own home. Out of his own home. Oh, now, Melvin, when Judy was born, you know we said many times that our house would always be open to anyone she wanted to bring into it. Her friends would be our friends. Her dates, our dates. Well, I didn't think she'd be having dates with an orchestra at the time. <laughs> no, seriously, Dora, we've got to do something about this. Like what? I don't know, but ever since he wrote that song, at least a year ago, I've heard it time and time again. Well, I bet she sings it to her twice a week. <laughs> He doesn't write many songs, you know. Thank heaven for that. (laughs) Well, you can't blame him for wanting to serenade her a little. Remember, you wrote me a song once. Yes, I did, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) And you and your fraternity quartet used to come around underneath the dormitory window and sing it to me at least once a week. That that was a song, Dora. (laughs) Yes, it was. Certainly can't compare that with I've got a date with Judy. My quartet was different, too. It certainly was. And those four boys got a job later, playing in vaudeville. Oh, I'll never forget how excited we were when they got that three-week contract. Dora, that's it. That's it. What's it? That's what the Hartlicks ought to do, get a job nights, so they won't have to come around here. (laughs) 
If they get some dates, you know, playing around at local dances and stuff, they wouldn't spend their nights here driving me crazy. Oh, oh, oh what an idea. I'm going to suggest the matter to them right now. Hello, dear. Hello, Father. Did you like the movie, Mother? I loved it. Uh, where do you go, Judy? Oh, he and the boys went home. They did? Mm-hmm. And I don't like to say this, but you certainly weren't very charming to them. I wasn't charming to those fine, professional-like performers? Why, those boys ought to be playing professional dates. They did parties and bazaars and dances. Father, what a brilliant idea. Brilliant. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> I wonder why it never occurred to me. Oh, how could I have missed it? It's been right here all the time under my nose, staring me in the face. Doesn't that make you a little cross-eyed? <laughs> it's so obvious. Who would be better equipped than Oogie to go on the radio? Is the radio? Well, of course. As you said, why should he be wasted? The world should hear him. The world. But, Judy, a person just can't go on the radio helter-skelter just because he wants to. A person has to, uh, has to have a sponsor. Oh, don't worry about that, Father. Oogie will get a sponsor. How? Well, there's nothing to it, Randolph. After all, who could advertise a product better than Oogie Pringle? Lassie. <laughs> Randolph, you're just too young and immature to understand Yes, indeed I know just the man who'll be only too happy to sponsor Oogie Pringle in his high school hot licks Who? You y Me? <laughs> oh, for the love of heaven No, no, no But Oogie, do you want to waste your genius forever? Oh, no, but Oogie, I... look ahead You'll start at the radio here, on the local radio station. Then, after a few months, you'll be getting offers from Cleveland or Cincinnati. And then, who knows, maybe New York, Paris. <laughs> you lead a fascinating, sophisticated existence. The friend of great opera singers, the famous composers, of song pluggers. Which would you rather be, a little frog in a big puddle or a big puddle and a little frog? <laughs> Oh, Oogie. Why, it'll be the making of you. You'll be famous. I don't want to be famous, Judy. It it might come between us. Come between us? Well, sure. If I get as successful and fascinating as you say, why, I'm liable to turn women's heads. <laughs> you wouldn't want that, would you? I can face the future unabashed, Oogie. Why cannot you? Because I'm very fond of the present. I am willing to risk losing you I am willing to make that sacrifice for the sake of your fame But Judy, even if I say I'm willing to go on the radio, I couldn't without a sponsor I know, I know, and I tried to get you one So far, unsuccessfully But I'll succeed ere long You'll actually get somebody to pay me for playing? Of course Oh, by the way, uh, how much would you want for you and the boys? How about five dollars a week? Very well. Now that the financial figure has been decided upon, I will now go out and get you a sponsor. And no matter what doors of big, important men I shall have to break down, never fear, I will get you one. No, no, no. But, Father, it was your idea in the first place about Ubi playing professionally. Yeah, but I didn't know that I was going to get stuck with it personally. But think of the opportunity. You can advertise your canning factory. 
You felt thousands of extra cans as a result. Isn't that true, Mother? That's true, Melvin. Isn't that true, Randolph? Uh... You see, Father, and all it will cost you is the radio time and Oogie. Oogie has cost me too much already. But I can get him very cheap for you. He would be willing to work for you for $5 a week. But anybody else, he would sell $10. You very true. You see, I saved you $5 a week already. You just tell Oogie to stop raiding our icebox every night, and you'll save me another $5. <laughs> then you'll do it, Father? You'll foster Oogie? No, I will not. The whole idea is ridiculous. I think the people who are related to me are unsympathetic and full of lack of understanding. Oh, now, Judy. Every time I offer something constructive and valuable in the way of something concrete, I get stepped on before the germ of my idea ever gets a chance to bud into blossom. Judy, I, I, I'd like to go along with you on this sponsorship, but Oogie Pringle? Now, if you could offer Father Hetty Lamar for $5 a week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Run down Oogie all you want. But I will show you. And someday when he's famous and big sponsors all over the world are bidding for his services, then you will come to me, Father, on your bended knees. Greeting. <laughs> It's all right. I'll struggle on alone somehow until I get Oogie to the top. But when he is there, I just want you to remember one thing. What's that? Don't try to bask in his glory. <laughs> all right, dear, I won't. <laughs> Don't say, yes, sir, I knew him when. Yes, sir, I helped that lad get where he is. Don't ever say that, Father. Promise. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried Ed Emerson's hardware shop, Judy? Yes. Well, what about Henry's Coke and Phosphate Parlor? I tried it. Well, that about washes up everybody, doesn't it? Yes. But I haven't given up yet. I am still going to get you a sponsor. After all, I've still got an ace up my sleeve. You have? Yes. Your father. My father? Oh, no, Judy. But my goodness, if your father isn't able to estimate your genius, who would be? Well, I don't know, but it wouldn't be my father. <laughs> Now, now, now. But, Mr. Pringle. It's a very flattering offer, Judy, but no. You just don't know what you're turning down. Yes, I do, Judy. I know it only too well. Well, Mr. Pringle, I'm very sorry you feel this way. You're making a big mistake not sponsoring Ruby, but I'm going to make him a success in spite of you. Well, I, I can't help but admire your spirit, Judy. It's all right, Mr. Pringle. Don't be unhappy. I'll manage without you. Uh, Judy, I, I was just wondering, if the hot licks are on the radio, uh, I wouldn't have to turn it on, would I? Turn what on? The radio. Well, no, if you didn't want to. And if Oogie and the boys had a job on the radio, uh, maybe the local station would let them do their practicing there instead of here at my house? Why, I guess it would. You know, it might be worth five dollars at that. Oh, Mr. Pringle, I knew you'd come through. I knew it. I knew if anybody would be able to see Oogie's genius and talent, you would. Yeah. Well, I did it. I did it. You did what, dear? I got Oogie a sponsor. You did? You really did? Yes. 
Why, that's wonderful. Wonderful? It's a miracle. Well, how did you do it, Judy? Oh, it was nothing at all. I merely made Oogie's price a little cheaper. Cheaper than five dollars? Yes. Uh, the sponsor won't have to pay him anything. Well, that's cheaper, all right. <laughs> he was going to pay Oogie five dollars at first, but when he found out how much the airtime cost, he was forced to cut Oogie's price. Of course, there are one or two other minor drawbacks, but I'm sure in time they'll be overcome. Drawbacks? Such as what? Well, the contract with this sponsor is for only one week. He hopes by then somebody else will take the mess off his hands. I mean, uh, that somebody else, uh, richer and more wealthy than himself, will be able to pay Oogie what he so richly deserves. He wouldn't want to stand in the boy's way. Well, of course not. So the whole thing is on a temporary basis, of course, but I know oh, that after... Oh, boy, just think. For a whole week, Oogie and his high school hotlicks are going to be busy every night. Oh, not every night, Father. Uh, not every... No, every morning. Every morning? Yes. Morning time on the air is cheaper than evening time, and of course, the sponsor had a limited budget. When's it first program, dear? Tomorrow morning. What time? I certainly want to be listening. Five o'clock. <laughs> Five o'clock in the morning? Uh-huh. It so happened that that was the only time the radio station had available. But they promised me that in a week, if we had a permanent sponsor, they'd move Oogie to a much better time than 5 a.m. Oh, they did? Yes. We're going to have 6 a.m. available. <laughs> Wake up. Oh, oh, I have to. It's 4 a.m., Randolph. 4, 4 a.m. Good night, Judy. Now, don't get back under those bed clothes. You promised to help me. Well, I was out of my mind at the time. This is the fourth time I phoned you, and you simply got to get out of bed and stay out of bed this time. This is not Oogie. I know it's the fourth time you phoned me because I heard it ring every darn time. And I'm not only going to stay out of bed, but I'm going to come over to your house and complain to your parents, Judy Foster. Oh, Mr. Pringle, it's you. Yes, Mr. Pringle, it's me. I, I didn't mean to wake you up, Mr. Pringle. Oh, you didn't, did you? No, it's in the contract. You don't have to listen to the program. Judy, do you realize you've awakened my entire household, including my wife? And you know how my wife is in her waking moments. And do you realize... I, I'm sorry, but it's 4.30 and Ubi's got to be at the radio station in time. Please, Mr. Pringle, is he dressed yet? Yes, he's dressed and in the kitchen eating breakfast in his sleep. Well, tell him to hurry. And Mr. Pringle, promise me you'll go right back to sleep. I wouldn't want to break your contract for anything. Back to sleep. Now she tells me. I'm so wide awake after four phone calls, I can scream. Not only that, but I think I will. Ah! Mother, Mother, wake up, please. Oh, Judy, what time is it? Four thirty-five. Father, Father, oh. wake up. Oh, what happened? Well, it's almost a quarter to five, Father. You wouldn't want to miss Oogie's radio program, would you? Yes. Father. Oh, please don't put your head back under the covers. The least you can do when a personal friend of mine is on a citywide hookup is listen to him. Why? I'm going down to the radio station with him. Father, it's your responsibility to keep Father awake during the program. I've got to run. All right, dear. 
Good night, Dora. I'm going back to sleep. Now, Melvin, wake up. This was your idea about Oogie going professional, and you're going to suffer through it just like anybody else. I couldn't write a better one than that. And that was a little number entitled, I've Got a Date with Judy, played by Oogie Pringle and his high school hotlicks, written by Oogie Pringle, arranged by Oogie Pringle, sung by Oogie Pringle, and conducted by Oogie Oogie Pringle. Pringle. (laughs) Oh, Melvin. Now, this is Oogie Pringle signing off for now. Good night. I mean, good morning. Now, Dora, may I please go back to bed? <laughs> now, Melvin, the show wasn't so bad. No, no, nothing but a bottle of sweet air couldn't fix. Well, did you hear it? Did you hear it? Yes, we heard it. What did you think of it? I thought it was marvelous. Sensational. Father? Ooh. <laughs> Father! You didn't like it, Mr. Foster? Oh, now, don't worry, Ogie. He was just in a bad mood because he had to get up so early to listen. Randolph, did you do what I told you to? Yeah, and I'm sure that nobody in town will ever speak to me again. Why? What did you have Randolph do? Oh, I had him call up all our potential sponsors before the program this morning and remind them to be sure to listen. Randolph, you woke them at that hour of the morning to listen to Ogie? Yeah. You know, I heard some of the most interesting remarks I ever heard in my life. Well, I should think so. Do you think any of them listen, Judy? Of course, Oogie. Why, every businessman in town will be clamoring for you. Yeah? Just you wait. Pretty soon that phone will start ringing. We'll have more sponsors and we'll know what to do with. (sighs) (laughs) And when I walk down the street, people will say, there she goes. That's the woman behind Oogie Pringle. Oh, Judy, I wouldn't let you walk behind me. (laughs) Oogie, I mean that people will realize that it was I who pushed you forward. Oh, you'll be rich, fabulously rich. Oh, boy. Oh, now, now, look, kids, I don't want to be a wet blanket, but I don't want you both to have your hearts broken either. What do you mean, Father? I think you're wrong to build Oogie's hopes up like this. When no one calls to buy the program, he's going to be pretty disappointed. Father. Honey, I don't mean to be unkind. I just don't want you and Oogie to expect something that won't... Well, I happen to be a pretty good judge of what the public wants in the way of entertainment. And much as I hate to say it, Oogie's show simply isn't what the Phone, public... Phone, I get it. Want. Hello? Yes, is it Judy? What? Really? 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 Oh, that's wonderful. Goodbye. Who was that, Judy? That was Mr. Emerson. He wants to sponsor your program for his hardware store. Oh, boy. Well, that's wonderful. Well, Father? And Emerson, huh? Well, he was never very bright. <laughs> oh, I'll get it. Hello? Yes, this is Judy Foster, manager of Oogie Pringle and his high school hot licks. Oh, yes. I'll be enchanted to discuss it with you. Yes, this afternoon at three. Thank you. Goodbye. Who was that, Judy? That was Mr. Sam Briskin. He wants to sponsor you for his moving picture cameras. Well, I'll be. Well, I don't know, Mr. Hibbles. You see, we've had so many offers, I just... 
Very well. I'll be enchanted to discuss it with you. Yes, this afternoon is four. Thank you. Goodbye. Who was that, Judy? That was Mr. Hibble. He wants to sponsor Udi for his plumbing store. He says he's willing to plunge. <laughs> Yes, Mr. Braun. I'm sorry, Mr. Braun. I wouldn't think of letting you cut Oogie's price. Oh, no, Mr. Braun. I know Oogie very well, and he wouldn't mind a bit paying a big income tax. <laughs> very well. I'll be enchanted to discuss it with you. Yes, it's afternoon at five. Thank you. Goodbye. Who was that, Judy? That was Mr. Braun from the Morris Meat and Vegetable Market. He wanted to give Oogie rutabagas instead of money. Hmm. Rutabagas, huh? Yes. But I don't like rutabagas. That's what I told him. Oh, isn't this the most exciting day of your life? Yeah, boy, do I feel snazzy. Well, come on. We've got a very busy afternoon ahead of us, transacting these business deals. And, Oogie, when I'm transacting, please don't speak. Just sit there looking aloof and talented. All right, Judy. Well, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, dear. Good luck. Have a good time transacting. We will, Randolph. Goodbye, Father. Uh, wait a minute, Judy. Uh, yes, Father? Uh, 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 could I uh, speak to you uh, privately? Of course, Father. Well, I'm very sorry, Father, but you're much too late. And besides, I warned you you were passing up a terrific thing. You did nothing of the kind. You hardly gave me a whack at it. Moreover, you deliberately put on the darn program at a time when I was scarcely awake to listen to it properly. Well, that's true. I have a right to that program. It was my idea. If anybody's going to sponsor it, I am. <laughs> Hardware, indeed. Plumbing, vegetables, rutabagas. But people who buy cans, now that's something different. All right, Father, if you really want... It's the deal, Judy, it's the deal. The Boston Canning Company will sponsor Oogie Pringle. Just a minute, uh, Father. You've forgotten one thing. What's that? The financial arrangement. The uh, uh, financial? Yes. Thing? Oogie's price has gone way up since this morning. But <laughs> <laughs> well, dear, you, you've forgotten one thing. You see, I'm, I'm your father, and, and daughters never take advantage of their own fathers. Father, dear, uh, you're the nicest father a girl ever had for a father. But until we get the financial discussions over, I've never seen you before in my whole life. <laughs> Dora, wake up. Oh, all right. We haven't very much time. Come on, Randolph. Wake up, wake up. All right, Come on, the program will start in just a few minutes. These hours will be the end of it. Did you turn the radio on, Dora? Yes. Let me see. I want to make sure you got the right station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. (laughs) You know, I'm a little nervous. The Foster Canning Company, quarter hour. Quiet, everybody. Here it is. Here it is.
Pinky Pringle and his high school hotlicks will play a number never before heard by anybody. Written by Melvin Foster, President. <laughs> Melvin, you're so... Well, that was one thing I insisted on, Dora. I absolutely refused to let Oogie do I've got a date with Judith. Now, my song has some originality about it, some uh, imagination. Listen, Dora. I've got a Judy, what are cars to me? Pretty soon I'll be able to have one for every day in the week. Oh, yes, Oogie. And maybe two on Sunday. That's a lot, darling. And I've got you to thank for it. Oh, Oogie. If you hadn't made that wonderful deal with your father, where would I be? Just where would I be? Well, even though he is my own father and related closely, I tried to make a good financial arrangement for you. And you did. Boy, imagine getting a thousand a week. Yes, isn't it wonderful? There's only one thing. What am I going to do with a thousand cans? <laughs> this program is transcribed. Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for 